0: welcome back to probably about politics this episode chile Mm -hmm. well the second round of the chilean presidential election
1: well we're all about the final we don't like to we don't want to go for the pre the pre-show
0: we're going we're going back for seconds of chile (laughs)
1: yes
0: (laughs) uh so we're in the second round in in chile so there was already an election that happened Right mm-hmm. there's already the bicameral um, houses of parliament uh, that were decided, and we always do this and then say no, we're not going to do it right away. But we, they, the, as a teaser, as a little appetizer for what's to come, mm-hmm. the largest coalition in the House of Representatives mm-hmm. is different from the two coalitions that the two final presidential candidates represent. Yes. So. There's a whole bunch going on. <laughs> um, but I think we should just dive right into the election this week, unless you have any news to share first.
1: No, I think I think that's a good idea. This is a pretty exciting election.
0: <laughs> so we don't have to pad it out at all. Uh, <laughs> so, chilly facts. Just some information about the country. Population mm-hmm. near 20 million. Yep. West coast of South America. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, very long north-south country. Other countries that are as long as Chile north-south are at least 10 times as wide as Chile is wide. Weird. So that would be like Russia, China, Canada, United States, like all yeah. other very large north-south-spanning north, countries. And it's bordered by Argentina, Bolivia, and Peru, right? Um, it's, on kind of, it's on the very west coast of South America. And it's also the southernmost country in the world because it's all the way down at the tip. And because of that, Chile, before signing the uh, Antarctica um, treaty, uh, they had a claim of 1.25 million square kilometers of Antarctica. Huh. Yeah. So Chile, which you might think of as like having like forests and a varied climate and everything, mm-hmm. more of Chile. So 1.25 square million square kilometers is more than all of mainland Chile. <laughs> so it would be more Antarctica than, than, than South America. Else. Yeah, and that much region of South America of 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 Antarctica, sorry, would be the same size as all of France, all of Spain, and all of the United Kingdom combined. Would be the wow. amount of Antarctica that they claimed, uh, which they've now put that claim on hold because they have like the new treaty where like nobody owns Antarctica. Really, it's like governed by 18 countries or whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: So those are my chili facts.
1: I mean, those are good chili facts. I feel like uh, not it's it's pretty like far away from here. I, I don't uh, and you know I knew I know some things about it, but maybe not the geography. So hmm. thanks for that.
0: Seems like a reasonably wealthy country, but also seems like there's quite a bit of inequality, growing inequality.
1: Yeah, yeah I think we're we're uh, that is uh, maybe the crux of some things here that we're going to talk about uh, in terms of uh, how. How do you measure the wealth of a country? I guess <laughs>
0: mm. this is so. It, it's it's where do we go back to start? And I feel like we had this issue with the cop episode of how far back mm-hmm. do we go? Do we go back to a couple months ago when there was the first round of the presidential election, or do we go back to twenty nineteen when Sebastian Pinera uh, had all these protests and ended up saying that he was going to step down when the next election mm-hmm. came around? Do we go only in between there where there's going to be a uh, constitutional reform that was there was a referendum voted on that the, the new the new parliament's going to do that or do we go all the way back to 1990 at the end of dictatorship? Of yeah, Augusto Pinochet. Your I mean, choice, Kaylee.
1: I mean I would I, I think you <laughs> didn't I almost think maybe you didn't go far enough because if you go back to when Pinochet came in, he that was uh, far right versus the far left again uh, the overthrow of a socialist government in chile by uh an american-backed coup uh (laughs) (laughs) in chile but uh that but and and that will come into this story a little bit we will have to talk about it but yeah chile i think that it is important to mention because i think sometimes this comes up in countries that it's come up in many countries that covered but chile had a uh uh, a military uh junta junta that was in place until the 1990s with a dictator uh augusto pinochet um and and uh, that history is is really um i I think if you're interested in in the 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 how countries that were shaped in, in in latin america south america um that, that whole history is, is very fascinating but it's important to know that uh, Pinochet was not a great guy he uh, there were uh, uh, probably I think there's like thousands of people who were uh, tortured and uh, killed and and disappeared and that was uh, in in Chile uh, during his reign but he was really widely embraced by the West um, he was good friends with Margaret Thatcher um, the American government backed him uh considerably uh, specifically they did there is evidence that they made the situation as favorable as possible for him to successfully uh, per, uh, perform a coup um, in, in the in the country. Um, and so there that history of like being under a dictatorship I think is something that we've seen previously does imp- impact really like the country going forward and 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 we are now in you know in 2021 um, uh, 2022 by the time this new president comes in, Um, still like the the conversation of the legacy of pinochet is 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 very prominent in the country and the choices that they're making about how to set up their democracy their country their constitution and economy um, are really uh, influenced by the legacy of uh, pinochet
0: okay so we're starting back with pinochet i guess yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i think so (laughs) i think that's i think that is good that's a good um, set that we can that we can now dress going forward, I mm-hmm. think. Um, so that so Pinochet was no longer dictator as of nineteen ninety, right? Mm-hmm. So it's only been thirty years. So there's only been like one generation really that has mm-hmm. only been alive during, what could be at times a flawed democracy, since mm-hmm. since uh the dictatorship ended, um, and I think maybe not necessarily remnants of that, but I think this kind of, there is social unrest that bubbles to the top regularly. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I think that's the other important set dressing for this election is all of the protests that happened that started in 2019. Right. Um, Yeah. So this was, so Sebastian Pinera, who's the current president was already uh, the president of the country. Um, And then, there was a fair increase um, for public transit in Santiago in 2019, uh, which on top of all of this different, so what the protest kind of turned into was much more than that. But at first it was just these organized fare evasions of mostly university students or college students um, just getting onto subways and trains, um, And not paying fares, which then turned into a whole protest that has lasted two years. There's still, I think, weekly protests of one to five hundred people outside of uh, main government buildings, and they clash with police basically on a weekly basis. Um, And just for some numbers, uh, since 2019 uh, into the end of or into the beginning of 2020, there was over. I think there's three dozen deaths, um, over 10,000 injuries, tens of thousands attained, I think over 30,000 detained just by the beginning of 2020 because of this, so the first like five months. Um, and then uh, since the beginning of the protest, nearly 4 million protesters were involved with these protests across the country. And they started in Santiago, but this fair increase, um, but really turned into against uh, inequality in the country, corruption in the country, um were kind of the main um, driving uh, factors within it, and it kind of spread from Santiago over the entire country, led to um, several cabinet cabinet members um, were dismissed, I think eight of them were, Uh, and then there was a referendum in the country for uh, voting on constitutional reform, um, which was approved with nearly 80% choosing constitutional reform. Um, and so now this new constitution will be written by the um, Congress that was just elected in the first mm-hmm. round of this election. Um, and the other corollary of that was that billionaire Sebastian Piñera was going to step down um, yeah. and not run for election. But his party uh, or his coalition, um, which was called Chile Vamos and is now called Chile uh, Podemos Mass, or Chile Podemos Plus in their stylization um, is the largest coalition. So mm-hmm. Pinera's party and governance is still the main thing in Congress, but we have new presidents coming in and one of those potential presidents supports Pinochet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's a lot of the past being carried forward into this. And also um, the aftermath of all of those protests, which are still ongoing um, is also going to have this huge constitutional reform that's going to happen, and that's going to be under the guidance of one of these two presidents, and both of mm-hmm. them are highly influenced by, by the past, I think. Because, yeah. important to note, this big protest thing all started with student protesters, and on one final note about the past, Gabriel Boric, one of the two um, presidential candidates, uh, started as a student politician like 10 years mm-hmm. ago, back in 2011, fighting for a lot of the same stuff that these protests started with. So they're all on <laughs> different sides here, and it's all coming together.
1: Yeah, I think, I, I, I think you said one final note on the past. I really don't think we're going to get away from it because I, <laughs> the, like, even the, the, the protests that you're mentioning, like, the, most of the, uh, the economic, uh, issues that are, so, like, um, the Pinochet era was highly influenced by a group called the Chicago Boys. Um, they were educated in Chicago under, uh, Milton Freeman and like they designed basically this like free market formula that was, uh, that was applied to Chile and is really like has historically been really held up by, um, sort of, uh, like, uh, The World Bank, um, uh, the U.S., many countries as being like this is how um, a developing country can become a developed country by privatizing um, all of their services or creating private public relations relationships, Um, and so there's there's huge uh, 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 that that this this legacy is still exists that everything is very much either privatized or in a privatized uh, uh, public. Uh, relationship in relation to all social services um and and so and and it has been sort of held up that chile, chile is like this rich developed uh country that can serve as a model maybe for other south american countries but we're seeing i think in um in these protests the the the, the reality that it sort of depends on how you're looking at something i think there's something as somebody was saying ford it, they reduced it uh Poverty um, from forty percent to eight percent in the country, but then whenever you know, I, I think whenever an economist is telling you the number, you got to check the number that they're using there. Um, and and in reality, like about thirty three percent of the GDP goes to one the one percent in Chile, um, and you can classify a middle class person as being somebody who like if you as an individual. Uh, made hundred and eighty uh, uh American dollars per month. You would be classified as a middle class individual in Chile. Wow. So how do you measure the wealth of uh, Chile? Is also about how you're uh, bracketing um, who has money, like what qualifies as having money, is having wealth. Um, mm-hmm. and and so I think like something like the twenty percent richest could be making only a thousand and around a thousand dollars a month. Um, and then, like then, there's but then the one percent is has thirty three percent of the GDP. So you can see that there's probably that that what the protests uh, are sort of uh, uh, connected with starting on is like a four cent uh, ticket price increase in Santiago, as as you mentioned, and that seems really small. But if you do think about the idea that you could be a middle class person making only one hundred and eighty dollars per month, that that sort of and, and there's all these ways that this sort of builds up. Mm-hmm. Um, you could see how that could that could really trigger this this sense of inequality and uh yeah um but yeah
0: <laughs> i think to put into context to like what middle class would be in other places i was looking at the stats canada um, numbers on this yesterday actually uh and so in canada right to be 50 percent like the median earner so it'd be like the 50th percentile as like somebody in your late 20s i think for probably in u.s dollars it would be something like twenty five thousand dollars a year um which is like 10 times as much right so that's like two thousand a little over two thousand u.s a month Um, so that's, you know, quite a bit, that's like 12 to 13 times as much as what would be middle-class there, right? Like 180 US dollars a month. So that's, and that's like 50%. And that's for somebody in their late twenties, which is like a pretty low earning time, um, in Canada. So, uh, an order of magnitude, at least more inequality, right. (laughs) Um, to contextualize, but so we have all this inequality, right? We have, um, (laughs) these, We have elements of the past that are still coming forward, but we have a potential for huge change coming into Mm -hmm. the country as well, right? And I think no matter which of these two um, candidates is elected, right, which (laughs) we haven't actually said their names yet, like the two presidential (laughs) candidates that we're talking about in this election, um, is Jose Antonio Cast, who is um, part of the Republican Party, um, and his Republican Party is inside of um, the coalition called the Christian Social Front, which is the most far right coalition um, in the Congress. Um, so they're further to the right than the Chile Podomas mass that Sebastian Pinero was president of. Right, and then the other guy that we're talking about is Gabriel Boric, who is the leader of the Social Convergence Party, um, and the coalition that they're part of is Puerto Dignidad which is Mm -hmm. probably the farthest left party um, in Congress as well. Oh, yeah, probably the farthest left.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess I would add that like the acuerdo dignidad is a really big coalition of leftist parties. So there is Mm -hmm. like a fair spectrum, um, whereas the Christian social front is like a smaller and much more farther right sort of like. Like it is a smaller coalition of far right parties versus a large coalition of leftist parties, I guess.
0: Yeah, so the Christian Social Front is really just the Christian Conservative Party and the Republican Party, yeah, <laughs> um, which are two parties, and they only hold fifteen seats in Congress right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the a Pueblo Dignidad uh, has, I think, five parties in it. Yeah, so they have um thirty seven seats. Uh, so the left coal the the, the group of all the left coalitions and the group of all the right coalitions actually are completely equal.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so they're completely equal in total number of seats, but there are two independents in mm. Congress. Um, and so the entire balance of power is actually <laughs> held by two independents who are unaligned. Oh, um, <laughs> so the So it's, yeah, it's um. there's a whole thing. There's a whole thing. Broke. So basically, if we want to talk a little bit about the two actual candidates. <laughs> right, yes. Is, yeah. <laughs> is, um, is Gabriel Boric on the left with social convergen- convergence, right? And Jose Antonio Cast, who is the Republican on the right. Um, Gabriel Boric started out as a uh, student politician. He's like 35 years old. He's uh, kind of like upstart. Both of these guys you wouldn't really expect to be. Mm-hmm. in this part of their career to be the presidential candidates here um but he won or he came in second in the first round presidential election with 26 percent of the vote if i recall yeah and jose antonio cast um on the right came in first in the first round with 28 percent. both of them more than doubling the third place uh presidential candidate um but they're kind of running neck and neck jose won it but just by a little bit um But it seems like the polls have now kind of flipped. Um, Never before has somebody who has come in second in the first round actually won the presidential election. But there's a lot of turmoil right now. There's a lot of change in the polls. Um, And it seems like Boric has now kind of taken the lead going into this election, which is on uh, next week, late next week. Um, So there's still room for movement, but we're in the poll silence so there's no more mm-hmm. polls coming out so it's just whatever happens happens at this point right yeah
1: yeah <laughs> it's yeah it's i think it's so it, and and so we're sort of you're saying how they, they are kind of two candidates that you maybe like in in a more tradition like in a in a chile that is Maybe feeling more moderate, but is current uh, would would not have typically come up. But we do see like the there is such a strong divide in the country. I think uh, their previous president, he was certainly he makes he was as Alex said represent represented um, the moderate coalition that exists in the the House of parties, uh, um, and and so. But Boric, yeah, he's he's sort of representing, you know, the the protest movement uh, in a lot of way, uh, a lot of the sort of the leftist the the issues that they were pushing for. Like, I think he he wants to scrap the private pension system, raise taxes on the the super rich, um, uh, and strengthen the protection of indigenous peoples and the environment in Chile. Um, and then, as basically he's, he wants to tear up the, the free market model. There's sort of a debate, I guess, a bit about how, how rapidly he really wants to do that. There, there are some people that sort of feel that he's, he, uh, is gonna do it very fast, but others would point out that he is probably, he's probably actually more moderate than, than, uh, than is necessarily being pitched, but, uh, in the, in the media discussion, um, in terms of like his approach and his willingness to dialogue. Uh, across uh, parties,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then cast he represents sort of the res- the the response. I mean, again, it, we're talking about these protests; they're still going on, and they they have been violent, and uh there's been a lot of. Uh, of of disturb uh of, of uprisings and disturbance uh, disturbance as a result and turmoil um in 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 chile and so there is a lot of people there are a lot of people who became much more willing to support light stances on on issues of security and migration um and and against the, the the turmoil that the protests cause and it's just sort of that like that opposite complete swing to the other end of of what the protests are saying in in contrast perhaps um, and, and where, yeah, where Bork wants to sort of, uh, uh overturn a lot of, uh, the, uh, or overturn the influence of Pinochet, uh, Cast is sort of the opposite. He would, he would support the economic legacy of, 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 Pinochet, um, and, and reduce taxes and regulations, um, and further the, the privatization. So there's definitely that, Um, What you're really seeing, I think, is is uh, an election that you can't understand without the context of of the protest and the historical context of the legacy of of Pinochet. Uh, Particularly, I think as well, it's like you mentioned, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of conflict between the military and police and protesters Mm -hmm. um, and tensions over the idea uh, that that uh these these uh bodies were committing similar uh, uh, acts or approaches to the Pinochet area of of torture um killings and and disappearances
0: so if we look at say that you know one of these one of these guys is going to become the next president right mm-hmm. but how likely is their legislation actually going to get enacted and how much are they going to have to say because this constitutional reform is going to come in, right? So we don't even know in a year from now, how much power the presidency will even have in Chile Mm -hmm. because the constitution, the constitutional reform that's going to come in, which is kind of a really mixed bag of a lot of independents who are doing this and a lot of kind of like slightly left-wing leaning more overall um, Congress. uh, The, the two bodies that hold power, right? The Senate, and the the assembly um neither of those are really controlled by either of these two guys parties mm-hmm. <laughs> right especially the senate um ends up having um i think the senate after this election has one member of the um the FSC which is the the Christian Social Front right mm-hmm. and five members of the Puerto dignidad so there's 40 for other members of the senate which is pretty much entirely made up of the chile Podemos mass and the new social pact right (laughs) which are not like these two parties really don't have a lot to say in the constitutional reform that's going to happen that determines whoever's president's power so what could their presidencies even look like yeah once they are elected
1: uh, yeah no I think that's that so that's really important to look at because there is sort of a the the constitutional reform will be hard for them to not put through I think uh Costa said that he opposes it and he would try to to get it to not go through but it would be very hard for either president to to mm-hmm. to halt it at this point especially because it is also very it is it is more popular Um, in terms of the people who voted for it uh, than either of these presidents in terms of how they have been voted for. So um, important
0: to note though, that while it was almost 70, it was 78% um, in favor of the constitutional reform, Mm -hmm. uh, there was only 51% voter turnout for the referendum. So you don't actually have a majority of Chileans Mm -hmm. voting in favor of this thing. You have some plurality, which probably of the other 49%, you know, there's at least <laughs> the the remainder that can make up a, a majority of the country, but they. But I could see him going down a route like that, saying like, "We don't even have majority support for this in this country, right?" Necessarily, yeah. whereby because of the way that the presidential election works, right, he's going to have at minimum fifty percent support once he's elected. I mean, it, they probably won't have a hundred percent voter turnout, right? But yeah
1: he's yeah it kind of seems so, like the
0: guy uh, who would make this argument i don't know
1: <laughs> yeah no i i think that there is a concern i think it, it will be it would be hard he'll have a hard time with it um i it is my sense from from what especially I read, given that reading. his party doesn't hold power it doesn't hold power um the legislature is pretty evenly divided at this point and and moderates mm-hmm. really do hold the hold together it so so it is there is a real potential i think even so like on on Cast's end, it'll be hard for him to stop the constitutional reforms on Boric's end. Uh it will be very hard for him to actually do many of the things that he is he is promising to push forward because there will be a lot of a lot of gridlock into it. so that's the that's kind of the the big concern. I think that, but there are a few things like Chile I think just passed uh same sex marriage in the legislature as well, becoming the ninth country in the Americas to to have uh, officially passed it. And, and cast is like notably opposed to it and, and would like to deny the the right for same sex marriage. He also wants to get rid of the department for, uh, women and gender, I think, in the government and uh, abortion rights uh, that do exist in Chile. So, so there's like a few there's things that like that. Where it will be hard for him to do because he won't have the the support of the legislature. But it can certainly, uh, you certainly imagine there being some compromises that could put it under threat. But it'll be similarly difficult for Boric. I think that it, it, you were touching on on voting, voting, voter turnout. Um, and that is uh, uh, from what I can tell from my research is a historic problem in Chile like turnout is low and turnout has been particularly low um, for these pre- presidential elections um I think it was like it was 47 percent voter turnout which is which is pretty low um for the last for the last election
0: mm-hmm
1: Um so so this the 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 thing that turns and probably casts favor is is turnout. Um if if nobody's turning out for the election, I think he is he my understanding is he's far more likely to come away with the win despite uh polling and popular opinion. Um and then the the challenge that might come to the a lot of the uh the, the uh constitutional reforms is that it is it was more heavily influenced by uh leftist parties and 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 leftist ideas. Um, so whether or not they would be respected and and implemented is is its own question if uh, a more right of uh, right of center leadership came into power mm-hmm. I think, And so yeah
0: not to mention with all of this voter turnout and everything there's still these protests ongoing there's still this animosity between a lot of people and police and it's mm-hmm. still a pandemic yeah uh, so and the- there's a whole lot of things that are gonna impact voter turnout right so yeah.
1: but there's another interesting thing though that I think also impacts it's an interesting voting law that I think we haven't seen before Um, so another thing that makes voter turnout um, sometimes difficult is uh, a lot of the time people wait for a long time to show up to vote at polling stations because if you show up first and the volunteer registered at the polling station to staff it does not turn up you're then obligated uh to work at the polling to station staff it? yeah um and the only what? people who can get out of are seniors so a lot of people wait until late in the day to go just to make sure that they don't end up having to be employed at the at the polling station
0: wow okay <laughs> yeah that's a hmm. interesting okay is that a big issue that the poll workers don't show up
1: uh i guess it must be given that there is like the pri- I, they didn't didn't say like that oh they have a constant problem with that in the article i was reading but it does sound like it does impact people showing up so it must be a problem
0: even if there's a small chance of that yeah i wouldn't want to like how do you even do that like you (laughs) have no i've had no training (laughs) (laughs) hopefully um no untrained poll watchers have to be the ones that uh end up uh trying to get everybody to vote here um so the, this election yeah. that's coming up will be a smaller affair, right? Because everything else has already been decided pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is on December 19th. Um, yeah. So we'll find out by Christmas time um, what's going on in Chile uh, and then move forward with the constitutional reform and see see how all that goes. Yeah. But I think a it's shaping up to actually be an exciting election from yeah. a lot of things that we've covered recently.
1: Yeah. If we have friends in Chile, uh, if you vote, let us know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes send us a tweet at prob politics we're getting this in yeah. in the middle of the episode instead of at yeah. the end where nobody listens <laughs> or send us an email at prob politics at gmail.com um so that's chile uh moving on i guess from chile kaylee do you have news from the united nations and uh antonio gutierrez
1: i do um as usual it's maybe not um it's not cheery. I wouldn't, wouldn't describe it as cheery news. Uh, but uh, in in response to the new COVID variant discovered in, in South Africa, um, uh, uh, Gutierrez has sort of said, has has crawled out um, the 50 plus nations, governments that have opposed, imposed travel restrictions on South Africa. He said, uh, What's unacceptable is to have one part of the world, one of the most vulnerable parts of the world's economy, condemned to a lockout when they were the ones that revealed the existence of a new variant that, by the way, already existed in other parts of the world, including Europe, as we know. Uh, We have instruments for safe travel. Um, We need to use those instruments um, and avoid what he terms a travel apartheid. Um, and, and I recognize that is unacceptable. Um, he, something that Gutierrez and uh, as as the Secretary General of the UN has really been pushing is that these travel bans are really dangerous. Again, for um, they prevent they do little to he he he, he and uh, the WHO also argue that these travel bans do little to prevent international spread, but they do discourage countries from reporting new variants um, when they occur. And, and make, uh, and have, and, and our. And in countries where we have seen the the consequences of unequal distribution of of COVID vaccines, um, they they are breeding ground for these variants to occur. And so so the the, the problem is sort of compounding itself. Um, And and so a number of uh, African countries have have had these travel restrictions imposed, particularly South Africa. Um, And and the whole of Africa, um, 6% of the population is fully vaccinated. Um, And so this is a it's a really like emphasizing the 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 gap that is generating between uh, developed countries and and more vulnerable uh, countries who are not uh, experiencing the same uh, 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 availability of vaccinations and travel.
0: Yeah, I think I was reading a little bit about like whistleblower protection laws recently, and it seems (laughs) like there is nothing in place um, for countries which blow the whistle on pandemics right all there's just they're just ostracized immediately um even like the spanish flu being called the spanish flu is not because it was a spanish flu but because the spanish said hey we have a lot of people dying from this even though there's a war Mm -hmm. going on (laughs) um so yeah it's especially given how much the, the variant was already around the world and was definitely mm-hmm. going to get out no matter what right so
1: yeah and i think south africa was credited with uh having the uh, systems to discover it the best like yeah so uh, yeah the problem with naming it after a geographical location like after a country is probably why we've all switched to uh like delta and omicron
0: uh, yeah i mean like even in there's so much politicization of the pandemic too right like naming this variant omicron and skipping over um new and kai because like new doesn't make sense even though it's a greek character because it doesn't it's like new covid (laughs) and like kai is spelled the same way as xi which is like the president of china which is (laughs) problematic i guess to name the new um covid variant after um a political figure that was associated with covid at the very beginning um so even even just in the naming of following the greek alphabet there's politicization of it um and there's so much even back like in in canada right like Mm -hmm. immediately as soon as this happens you see like doug ford coming out saying like we need to shut the borders immediately even though like saying oh people have to do these things that i have no power over that i can't do Mm -hmm. and really passing the buck to other people and if you don't do something people are upset even if the thing that you're doing doesn't actually help so Good on Antonio for yeah. calling that out.
1: Yes, recognizing the the consequences of, of how you frame uh, the virus, I think is is particularly yeah why um, what it means for a new variant to have been located in a place and and, and the idea that it is a people's fault for a new variant having generated um, when it, you know in reality these things were, were going to happen and there's broader uh, responsibility and mm-hmm. and we have tools and practices that we have been using to effectively respond, but it does like, it's so easy for, for, yeah, as you were saying, like leaders, like say Doug Ford or, or historically Donald Trump to just grab on and, and pull into that worst instinct. And it requires a lot of responsibility in how we respond, but hopefully uh, not to, not to put the pressure on you, but uh, maybe there's some interesting science news we can turn to. (laughs) The science news this
0: week uh, is actually news and not so much science. Um, Nice. So, There was there is a program in China called the Thousand Talents Plan and the Thousand Talents Plan. What it does is try to get um, leading scientists from all over the world to come to China and do work there. Um, So these types of things exist in many places. So like Canada, actually, McMaster has recently been in the news because um, Canada had that uh, Canada 150 chair program where they gave a bunch of money to bring some of the best academics, hire them to Canadian universities. And recently it's come to light that um, one academic that moved to McMaster University from uh, two different American institutions, uh, fabricated a bunch of data and had his PhD revoked by his um, graduate school. uh, And then he's on like leave from the university now and all this stuff. So these programs that bring scholars from around the world and stuff are not without (laughs) um, (laughs) some political uh, intrigue previously, because now there's a lot of people upset about, you know, that and that it was funded by the, it was this program that's supposed to be like vaunted and bring all these great academics somewhere and really bring prestige to a country. If it backfires, um, there's a lot of people holding the bag. Uh, so the thousand talents plan was kind of China doing this and they've been doing this for over a decade now. I think it was the mid two thousands that this program started and it was really to try and bring instead of having so many great Chinese scientists. I mean, this is previously like Chinese scientists would be trained in China and then do postdoctoral fellowships and stuff in the United States and then stay in the United States and start huge labs there. Um, and thousand talents is trying to totally flip that. So, What has happened is that during the really in the Trump administration in the United States, there was the China initiative, right? Trying to really stop this um, espionage that could be potentially happening and these um, threats to national security. And an important thing to note about a lot of science, right, is that it's government funded. Mm -hmm. And specifically in the United States, there's a huge amount of funding that comes from the Department of Energy, um, which also... um, look after uh, nuclear weapons and <laughs> power. Um, the Department of Defense, which notably looks after defense <laughs> um, and the National Institute of Health, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are all government organizations. And so when they give money to um, researchers, they, they you have to like sign things and say that you won't put this information outside of the United States which is impossible given that you then write (laughs) papers and publish them in Mm -hmm. academic journals that anybody can read. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that is the backdrop, right? Is that there were a number of scientists in the United States. Um, There were 23 academics, most of them who were Chinese um, or of Chinese descent, at least, living in the United States, um, who were targeted by this initiative. So the FBI came in, um, pursued all of these scientists, right? Uh, arrested them, and basically uh, alleged that they had been sharing state secrets with China by being part of this Thousand Talents Plan. And the one specifically that we're gonna that I'm going to talk about is um, Charlie Lieber or Charles mm-hmm. Lieber, who was the chair of the Harvard Chemistry Department. Who Mm -hmm. goes on trial on Tuesday, December fourteenth? And so basically, he's been um, charged with two different things. And I want to get this right because I know that there's more importance when reporting um, (laughs) alleged (laughs) crimes. So let me just read this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, so two two crimes are alleged to have been committed by. Dr. Lieber. So the Department of Defense asked if he was involved in the 10,000 or the Thousand Talents program, Mm -hmm. um, which he denied being even involved in. Um, But the um, FBI has intercepted emails um, from 2012 uh, that included a contract for him um, from the Wuhan Institute of Technology to be involved with this. uh, And also he told Harvard and then Harvard told the NIH that he had no formal association with the Wuhan Institute of Technology, which the FBI also believe to be false. Um, All of this is to say that there's also, there were like search warrants issued for (laughs) his, for his uh, home and his university office that were executed and he's been charged. And this is what always gets people. And not to say that Charlie is um, guilty of any of this. I actually saw him give us give a talk one time back in like 2017, uh, and it was <laughs> wow. it was really it was really interesting. Like this guy's a world leader in like nanoscience, nanomedicine. Makes like these brain meshes for like mm-hmm. integrating electronics into the brain and all this like healing technology. Um, but he was also charged with four tax offenses, which is what always gets oh, you the IRS yeah. finds out. The IRS, okay, um, yeah. <laughs> for failing to report income he allegedly has received from China and specifically the Wuhan Institute of Technology. Now, <laughs> Kaylee, you're an academic of sorts. Oh, yeah. How much would you say that you would get paid if you had uh, gone and worked for the Wuhan Institute of Technology? Um and how much do you think Charlie Lieber got paid for that and didn't report for taxes allegedly? Oh. Yeah,
1: uh, probably How not much a money lot. a year?
0: How much money a year do you think
1: this was? Well, how much money do I think he got a year or how much yeah, money yeah. would how be, much be money like a do you normal think he got? Oh, uh like uh 100,000?
0: 100, 100,000. Well, he got 158,000 in living expenses. Oh, wow. Plus 50,000 US dollars per month in salary, which totals over three quarters of a million dollars a year um, from uh, Wuhan University. Yeah. uh, And also 1.5 million to set up a research lab at the Chinese University.
1: Okay. Um, And he said that he didn't do any of this. He he...
0: he has said that he wasn't even involved with the Thousand Talents plan and has had no formal agreement with Wuhan University
1: interesting
0: so who knows (laughs) Um, this is all alleged to have happened it should Mm -hmm. be noted though that there has not been great success by the um, FBI prosecuting these cases Um, so only one of these cases so far uh, has gone to trial in September Mm -hmm. um, and that scientist was found not guilty
1: interesting interesting
0: um, but there have been other scientists who didn't go to trial. Um, so of the 23 that were targeted that were academics, um, eight have already received prison sentences up to 37 months after mm-hmm. pleading guilty. Um, so
1: kind of mixed bag,
0: there's, yeah, there's a mixed bag. Other, there's none, only one has gone to trial and been found not guilty, but there's been many other cases that uh, didn't go to trial at all. So typically they don't, but also um, it seems like Harvard is uh, not going to be paying his legal fees and stuff because they're like, he did this outside of his (laughs) actions as a university professor here. But so basically all this to say, it's actually going to be probably a really interesting trial. All of these, this China initiative, right, comes from the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was hope from a lot of scientists that it would not be continued. And a lot of these cases would be dropped um, under the yeah. Biden administration and stuff. So, and there's kind of been like this chilling effect on collaboration that is important and is required to happen between the U S and China. Right. I think scientific yeah. collaboration historically has been an excellent way of overcoming, um, kind of political issues. So there's like mm-hmm. a lot of, um, international, like even during like the cold war, right. And post cold war ending that to like dethaw or to thaw those relations, right. There's a lot of scientific, uh, integration mm-hmm. and international collaborations on this stuff that, as scientists, a lot of scientists try to see is that like overcoming and, um, these like political boundaries and doing things for the good of like society and the human race and stuff. And that's like a lot Mm -hmm. of space exploration and huge international, um, collaborations. Uh, and a lot of that has been kind of chilled out by the fact that, uh, what used to be, oh, I didn't disclose my, my money that I was getting from them properly. So I'm going to go talk to the the um, accounting person down at, like, you know, the main building at the university is now the FBI is yes. um, arresting yeah. you and you're <laughs> arraigned while having your uh, home office and university office searched uh, and potentially um, going to jail for multiple years. So, yes, who knows? It Fun fact about Charlie, though, slides. he grows giant pumpkins.
1: I think, yes, I think that was maybe the one thing I'd heard from you about this. (laughs) (laughs) And that
0: that, um, he'd like previously, I think, yeah, in 2014, he grew the largest pumpkin in Massachusetts and top 20 in the world at almost 1,900 pounds. And in 2020, he grew um, the largest pumpkin ever grown in Massachusetts, which is where Harvard is. Um, Uh, And that was when he was arrested. So uh, we'll we'll see how this goes. It's actually pretty interesting and actually has some Something to do with politics uh, and yeah. international relations between China and um, between China and the United States. So, it, watch this yeah. space this week. There is a lot <laughs> of upcoming stuff that we're talking about.
1: Yeah, no, I think it, it, it definitely has. Since we're both uh, academics, I think you can definitely see why this could be an issue for um, for that uh, in that cooperation. I think is is really cool. That was really good science emphasis on the news. <laughs>
0: Yes, so, but if you want to hear more about this story or more about anything we talked about, um, send us an email at probably about politics or join our newsletter. Um, mm-hmm. Send us a message on Instagram or Twitter at probpolitics. Um, and you can get on the newsletter and in there, we sh- we'll share some news stories and stuff all about Charlie, all about the Thousand Talents plan and also about um, our two presidential candidates down in uh, Chile, notable Antarctic country.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, have a great uh, week, I guess.
0: Yes. Happy holidays. And thank you for listening to Probably Politics. We love you all.
1: Love you. See ya.